knowing that it's my first duplex development, I allowed a 15% buffer in my numbers and so thankful I did because I pretty much used use all of it. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello, and welcome to episode 109 of the show. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Keeping well? I've been good. Pushing to try and get my project finished. It's dragging on and on. Pretty much like the whole build, really. Anyway, we are very close to finishing. I've managed to get one of the townhouses staged and open as a display unit. So I'm hopeful that this will help our sales campaign along. I really need to start making some sales now that the project is nearing completion and the construction loan is getting close to maturing. There's still a lot of things to wrap up around the site. So I think we're probably two to three weeks away from actually finishing although there will still be minor defects to fix up, no doubt. It's been a long and exhausting build, so I'm really looking forward to it actually being completed. On my other project, we have been making some changes to our floor plans as we are reducing the sizes of some of the units based on some further consultation and research. So we'll be going back to council for an amendment to the permit. Apart from that, we're getting set to demolish the house and get works underway. So plenty going on for me at the moment. If you want to get your own property development project underway, but you don't know where to start, then be sure to check out my property developer training, where I will take you step by step through a small scale residential project so you can successfully start and finish your first project. Check out everything that's included in the training at www.propertydevelopertraining.com. Or if you just want to find out how ready you might be to become a property developer, take the free quiz at propertydevelopertraining.com forward slash quiz. Speaking of free, if you'd like to get a free copy of my popular book, Become a Million Dollar Property Developer, then head over to www.propertydeveloperpodcast.com and grab yourself a copy. And just quickly, remember you can catch me on the socials under the handle of Property Developer Podcast and the video of each episode is on YouTube if you want to see what the guests look like. Speaking of guests, let's get on to today's guest, a young architect turned property developer, Jen Sinclair from Comma Projects. Jen was inspired by designing and building her family home and decided to take on a duplex project to test her skills out to see if she could successfully execute a development project. Jen decided to do two very different interiors and finishes on each unit and this created challenges along the way as she often doubled her choices and decision making. Jen invested a lot of time and emotion into her project and learned a lot along the way, which she shares with us, including the difference a great builder can make during a project, trusting in yourself to deliver something special, and working collaboratively with your team to get better results. Keep an ear out for how Jen accidentally bought a house that was once a meth lab. Yep, you heard that right. This is a great story about a young developer trying to produce something special and succeeding. So let's get stuck into her story by discovering what Jen would eat until she was sick. 
I I had to think about that one actually because I just love food so much. I'm such a foodie. Growing up in Hong Kong, I was just surrounded by food everywhere. But I think without a doubt, brownies would have to go be my go-to. Oh, that's first time we've had brownies. I'm surprised <laughs> no, not many more people will reach for them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm an absolute sucker. Brownies and gelato. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you can get those really awesome sticky brownies, the ones the that gooey just, ones, yeah, that just yeah. just hold together. <laughs> you have to undercook them. That's the, that's the secret. Yeah. So good choice. Good choice. Well, it's great to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about your project um, shortly, which uh, looks fantastic on the Gold Coast. But before mm-hmm. we get to that, give us a bit of a background about yourself and how you got into property. Yeah, I guess I, growing up in Hong Kong, um, yeah, Dad used to always take us to a lot of open homes for for some reason. And yeah, it's funny because my sister and I both, um, we, yeah, some of our fondest memories is either dad taking us to the park or going to look at property. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I think I just grew up getting used to um, being around that. And my uncle is also a um, quite an active property investor himself. And so I think I just grew up thinking that's what you do you you go and buy property and um as as just as just life maybe so yeah so that was all there was always an interest there and then going through school um I also had a love for animals so I thought I was going to be a vet and um until when they sent you out and did your week's work um worth of work experience and at the vet, they just got me cleaning dogs with fleas and um, fighting magpies with a dog in one arm and, and the drip in the other arm. Like it was horrible. It was horrible. Completely put me off <laughs> wanting to become a vet. And so the only other thing that I thought I might be interested in was um, architecture. So I was like, well, okay, let's have a go. <laughs> so yeah, ended up in, um, did my six-year um, Masters of Architecture course in Brisbane uh, and kind of got over it. <laughs> was almost about to quit after the fourth year, but I thought, no, no, I'll just persevere, just stick out my last two, two years, and I'm glad I did. And um, I got the chance to work in some very high-end residential um architecture firms on the Gold Coast during uni and and for a couple of years after graduating as well. And I guess that that's where I got exposed to residential and um actually having the chance to go go visit the sites and projects actually completed because a lot of my friends at uni, they were in big, big firms working in hospitals um, or just being draftees, moving, yeah, toilets around on a plan. Um, 
and never really got the chance to experience actual site construction, doing defects and that. So, and um, yeah, so I think I absorbed a lot of that experience and not even just in architecture, but also in the interior design, um, learning how to make things look good, um, learning to spot I guess, detailed joinery designs and I have an appreciation of that as well. Anyway, um, then I met my husband and we decided to go backpacking for a year. Um, And we also, during that time, we also kind of um, accidentally started a software company. He's he's a software developer and so when someone was asking him to, oh, can you quickly write a code so that I can do this, um, he was putting it off for a little bit but I said, oh, no, you know what, like why don't you just do it, like get it done. And that, so he did and we quickly realised that it wasn't just, this guy that needed to use it, like there's there's a whole heap of other people that actually needed to use it. Um, So that was accidental. And I guess as the demand grew, um, we just kept putting systems and processes in place and um, just, yeah, grew the business. Um, so I, in between traveling, growing a software company and I guess being female, <laughs> became a mum and all that, um, I, I took about eight years, um, was like more like an eight year pause of architecture. Um, growing that business but you know I I learned in those eight years how to manage a small startup to um, you know hiring uh, I think it was up to about 12 or 15 staff um, managing people uh, learning all about finance structures accounting contracts um, lawyers and all that and then eventually we got acquired, Um, yeah, the company got acquired and also learning (laughs) through and, like, not just learning but actually taking the business that we started all the way through to completely, like, selling it, that acquisition process, um, which was a whole other ballgame as well. Um, Yeah, so somehow I went from architecture to becoming a business owner and learning a lot of skills in that area. Um, So after that, we decided that, you know what, like let's design and custom build our own own home, um, our own family home. And so, yeah, we did. We purchased the block right before all the price hikes. Um, 
I, I still kept an eye on it, obviously, because I felt like back then we paid too much. <laughs> um, When's this? What, what year is this, roughly? This was 2019. On the Goldie still? On the Gold Coast, yeah, yeah, in Palm Beach on Australia Day. We, we just left the beach and we thought we'd pop into an open home um, and we walked in and it was completely stripped out like there was nothing left there was it was down to its framing and the slabs um and I was like oh this 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 could work this is great like there's less demolition to to it you know um but little did we know like it wasn't until later down the track literally one day out of um, the contract going unconditional um we found out that it was like well known to the suburb that it was the meth house <laughs> so yeah there was it was quite a story to it and um and the plans were always to keep the existing walls and all that for for a big renovation but because of that um existing meth that was still like traces of it that was still positive and present in those framing um, the building certifier allowed us to pull those walls down. <laughs> so that was a bit of a <laughs> surprise. Um, but yeah, like I, yeah, I absolutely loved every single part of um, building that house and designing it. And I think it was then that I knew I had to get back into architecture and design. So you're definitely yeah. the first guest that we've had on the show that's um, bought a drug house and turned it into <laughs> something different. But what? Give us a bit of an idea about that block. Like, how big was it? What size? Yeah, was it's, a, it's a it's a it's a six twelve square meter block. So sizable for Palm Beach. That's pretty good for Palm um, Beach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we somehow didn't have or even now with all the gentrification of the suburb and new developments where none of our neighbours are double storey. Um, we're still surrounded by single storey blocks and our backyard just, we just have the most expansive view of, um, you know, the, the blue sky on a sunny day. And yeah, we just don't, yeah, we love it here. And we knew we didn't want a big house. We just wanted a small footprint. So we built about, uh, it's about 270 square metre house, um, including like alfresco and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but we just wanted a really big yard um, for the kids to, um, you know, ride their bikes and just be kids. And, yeah, from, from I guess, what, the open day was Australia Day and from that through to the day we moved in was I think it was first weekend of December in the same year. So <laughs> from us viewing the, viewing the block, viewing the drug house to design to construction, it was a total of, um, yeah, 10 months incredible which was amazing that's really incredible <laughs> they just seem like dream kind of time frames these days yeah yeah for sure definitely but it was also that year where we had the droughts 
Um, and so we didn't lose one single day to weather. Um, yeah, everything ran really smoothly. So probably a bit of luck um, that, you know, my first project worked out so well. And well, you so, must have had a good, good client that you were working with. Um, myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to answer the questions. <laughs> make the decisions. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it, I did have that luxury because also coming from a background of architecture, I was able to um, do a lot of, spend a lot of the hours um, when my son was in bed just to work on those plans, work on those um, designs, whereas, I, you know, if you didn't have that skill set, you'd be waiting for weeks or months on end for um, going backwards and forwards with the designer, and which would eat into your holding costs quite a lot. And so then did was the next project the duplex or did you do something else? Yeah, no, so shortly after that, that was, yeah, so we moved in December 2019 and 2020, as soon as we moved in, COVID hit. And um, so obviously the world kind of stood still for a little bit for just those first few months where no one knew what was happening. And so we decided to um, try for a second child and we did. But, um, yeah, life took a complete turn um, as soon as we moved in and I fell pregnant. Um, I guess without getting into it too much, um, long story short is that my body started shutting down uh, very quickly into my pregnancy and so I ended up in a hospital bed for an, an entire month, um, not able to move. I was quickly losing a lot of breath. Like I couldn't even talk, basically. I laid there and I couldn't reach for my call button to call the nurses at night. And, um, yeah, and so because of that, my little girl had to come out very early. Um, so she came out three and a half months early. And then we became, like, we ended up, yeah, her hospital journey. Well, yeah, we ended up going through her hospital journey for the next four, five months. Um, so, yeah, and my older, my older son was just starting school as well all at the same time. So, yeah, I'd say our life. Um, yeah, got put on pause for 12 to 18 months completely. So I didn't do any <laughs> property stuff, as you'd imagine. But I think going through that experience as well has also reminded me to, you, you know, like life is fragile, life is short. And I knew that building is what I want to do it's my passion when I built this house it completely lit me up it brought me so much joy and so yeah with life being so fragile like you just have to go and create your own opportunities like you can't just sit around and wait for something to fall into your lap so 
yeah, with my baby in the carrier, like, well, not quite. I, I went to an auction one one evening while my um, husband was doing the kids' bed and bath time. I didn't expect to win it. And I just called him. him. I was like, did you tell yeah. him that you were going? <laughs> I did tell him I was going, but neither of us thought we'd actually win it. And um, yeah, and oh, it was COVID as well. And I was like trying to yell through my mask while I'm still, my body was still recovering <laughs> from the hospital and all that. And um, somehow I won it. And I just called my husband. Can you can you bring the kids down and can you bring the trustees down? Uh, we just got to sign something. <laughs> and bring the checkbook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was all kind of, I guess, meant to be. Um, and but you know, we sat on that for another six months before we even started actioning anything because life was still. We were still trying to get back to yeah navigating to normal life, I guess. So tell us about that site. How big was it? Where was it? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to build in the same suburb and also do the whole thing again with the same builder. Um, I didn't feel like I could do it again with another builder. I think we built a really good relationship um, off our first, my first build. So knowing knowing that I already had my builder in mind and that I wanted to be in the same suburb like I I was constantly feeding him listings like what do you think of this block what do you think of that block and yeah this this block was one that he um told me to really try and go for it um so it's a 506 square meter block um it's already positioned in a medium zoned um medium density zoned street in palm beach which was great because i knew i wanted to do a duplex and location wise it's great like at the at the end of the street is a set of shops with restaurants cafes bakery you know all that all that um stuff just behind it is a beautiful family park um and yeah location wise was perfect so, yeah. What was it about, and what did the builder like about it? What was what was his input? Actually, I think the gem of it was also because it's a very tightly held street, given its location. Um, you're so close to everything and the beach as well, yet it's still a quiet street. Um, that's already zoned for medium density so yeah and that's why that's why I went for it how did you find the builder originally that you worked with on the house and then to do the duplex yeah look I probably didn't do my due diligence as well as I should have um, back when I was just planning my house build um I, I i called three builders i think yeah one never returned my call um second one was great but he was i think more into more of the townhouses like 
more medium um, density kind of kind of stuff. And the the that Danny May builder that I ended up going with, he yeah, he was the only one who answered my call, actually took the time to yeah, be patient with me and answered all my questions. Um, and yeah, like I think there's a lot to say about that as well in terms of you know, reassuring the client, just how he dealt with everything. Like he made me feel like he always had the time for me. And um, and I I just decided kind of, I just went with my gut instinct that, no, I'm going to go with him. Like I didn't go and get quotes from different people, different builders or anything. Um, it was just based off my instinct. Um, and, and, yeah, and... I honestly can't fault him still after after my second build with him. Oh, that's fantastic. And the company, yeah. It makes such a massive yeah. difference when you've got a good builder that you can trust and rely on. Having gone yes. through a build with at the moment on my own project with a builder that probably hasn't met my expectations in many instances, I completely understand how much of an impact it can have on your project when it doesn't meet your expectations and standards yeah I can only imagine like I I honestly don't know many people at all who have done renos any sort of construction like if anyone if anything they're all put off by it um so I'm very grateful and I do know that yeah it doesn't happen a lot to really have that really good um builder who is really good at project management as well yes i always say to any friends of mine who ask me for my advice when they're doing renovations or gonna do a build i say just go in with the expectation that it's gonna be really crap experience (laughs) just start from there (laughs) (laughs) then you won't be disappointed anything from there will be a bonus if it's better than that yeah well that's it that's it expectations are always um, bring disappointments. Yeah. So uh, with the development site, with the duplex, did you go in with a design in mind and did you do the design or did you engage uh, a designer to do it for you? Yeah, I I went, because I'm not a registered architect, um, I can't, I don't have my insurances um, and all that logistics side of things um so i i went to a building designer uh, with my floor plans and he helped me refine it um and we just went from there and we probably also were able to once again um kill a bit of time back and forwards um because because of that um, and with the interior design, I worked with um, a friend of mine who I used to work with in one of the architectural firms, and um, she did some of it, and I did some of it as well. So did you go to the building designer with some facade treatments or elevations, or did you leave that to them? Yeah, it was it was collaborative, like, 
um, I gave them my brief and, yeah, just back and forth. Um, they presented some ideas and I I presented mine and, um, yeah, and that's what we ended up with. And so when you were going into the project, because I, th- correct me if I'm wrong, you were aiming for a high-end luxury finish and yes. you had two so side-by-side duplex project, but mm-hmm. they were different. Is that correct? Yes, yes, side, very much so. Yes. So from day one, um, my vision for the du- this particular duplex pro- project was to um, deliver a pair of high-end villas because in the suburb, in, in, in our suburb, I just... I was looking around and the majority, like I'd say 95% of the new duplex developments um, on dry blocks that aren't waterfront or near the beach, beachfront, um, like there was just not much high-end stock. Um, As soon as you wanted anything high-end or a little bit more luxe, um, you'd have to fork out another million dollars to go on waterfront. And so I felt like there was a big gap that, you know, if I could deliver something for people who are in the middle, um, perhaps that would take off. <laughs> so it was a bit of a guinea pig um, project because who knows, like maybe there wasn't a demand for it. But um, yeah, so that was always my vision and goal for this for this particular project, and um, yeah, and the response has been really, really overwhelmingly positive. I think because you see, my Gold Coast is only going to grow, um, and you see a lot of the interstate properties. They are high end, um, but yeah, not everyone can afford. Or want to be waterfront, which I personally, I personally don't want to be waterfront. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, what was the thinking about doing the two different styles? Was that to create differentiation, so you didn't have the same product, or an opportunity to yes. showcase your skills? What's yeah, that? yeah, definitely. I think also being a designer, I felt, well, hey, I'm doing here why why waste the opportunity to have them exactly the same um yeah I, i'm very much into my photos and um as any designer might be like i wanted to be able to expand on my portfolio and build on that um so yeah and i'm glad i did it was a lot of work it was essentially it became yeah it, it became like I was building two houses at the same time and, yeah, it was a lot more work than I realised or thought, but, yeah, 100%, I, I'm glad I went with that decision. What, where did the extra work come from? What, what was unexpected or what did you discount in terms of how long you thought it would take to do something? Um, I guess the difference is that whilst the floor plans were the same, um, interior design-wise, it was very different. So different finishes, colours, a lot of, yeah, different joinery design, 
um, yeah, even under the staircase, it's different, the different uh, tiles, materials, everything, and lighting as well, different lighting. So I was running around like mad every day um, as soon as I dropped the kids off at school, um, trying to source everything for two different um, projects. Sounds like that a was fantasy. under the same roof. <laughs> designer fantasy, two different projects under the same roof, getting to push the boat out with um, the look and feel. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, it was actually, but also came with a lot of, a lot of stress and decision fatigue as well, <laughs> always second-guessing yourself. Yeah, look, that's a really good point because it's something that you don't think about when you get started in property development is mm-hmm. the number, this just sheer number of decisions that you have to make along the yes. way. And some of them are little yes. ones, inconsequential really, but then there's some big ones too where you're kind of sitting there thinking this this is going to make a big difference to the project, which way you decide mm-hmm. to go. And so, yes, you do sometimes have some decision fatigue. Yeah, very much so. And I think for me, every this build and my family home, that build, that was so, it, it's a it's a heart project. So I, I poured my heart and soul into it. And so I, I, I called them my babies, really. And so this duplex was a set of twins. <laughs> it was a boy and a girl. Um, but, yeah, and I think maybe different to a lot of the developers where they're not so involved in the design phase I very much am I was living and breathing it every single minute of um of the day and so right down to the color of the grout between which tile and where like it was always um there was always something (laughs) to make a decision on yeah, I know. Sometimes it's really little things as well, like yeah, with the yeah. powerpoints. Do you want the powerpoints one fifty off the off the bench top, or do you want a two hundred? Oh. <laughs> but I think a designer, as a designer, those little things are not little things. It's yeah, all right. in the detail. So you know, I know that, and it's a it's a lesson learned as well. Like moving forward, like I think. I need to decide on how how caught up do I want to be um, in terms of designing and because that has um, set me back in time as well, being the one who is doing the design, um, spending all the hours um, at night while the kids are in bed, um, doing renders, render after render. I think I've probably generated over thousands of renders. Um, and that I'm sure like that that slowed me down in in building it, but maybe that's the way that I'll develop. Like I'm not sure yet. <laughs> and have you kept I terms think, of the number of hours that you actually invested into the project? Yeah, I actually haven't. <laughs> It's funny because one of my close girlfriends said to me, gosh, I, I, I can't believe the number of hours you are putting into this project because to a lot of my girlfriends, um, this duplex has just been a side project of mine, um, maybe something fun, 
that I'm doing on the side, but in reality was, yeah, reality was that it was completely full-time project that I had to manage it in um, part-time, I guess, being a mum and all the other life duties that you have. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's interesting that you've invested that much time and effort into it because, as you say, most developers wouldn't get down into the nitty-gritty like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious, being a female and I think most buying decisions when it comes to buying property are made ultimately by women a lot of the time when if they're involved in the buying process. Yes, uh, yeah, agreed. Or certainly have a massive influence on it. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on whether you had females in mind when you were doing the design and as buyers, was, was that something that entered into your thinking around the design that you did, the finishes that you made, or was it more, this is what I really love and I think it's really beautiful and pretty and awesome and mm-hmm. someone else will appreciate that and be prepared to pay a premium or get excited about it as well? Yeah, look, a little bit of both. Um, I guess obviously being female, my instinct is to especially with duplex too, my instinct is to try and prioritise storage, storage everywhere, you know, but but also as a designer, I'm like, well, how do I make that look good but also not overspend on joinery? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was very interesting exercise. Um I think the battle between being a designer and having the, well, having the freedom to be my own client and do whatever I think looks good, that was, that was really cool and obviously a lot of fun. But then at the same time, yeah, costs were going up and how do I, decide what to cull um, without sacrificing those moments that pull on the buyer's heartstrings. So, yeah, I think through the journey, my priority was to pull on those emotions, create a product that can uh, pull on those emotions um, and create that FOMO. Um, deliver a product where it's very unique and they won't be able to find anywhere else anytime soon. Um, That was my priority. But then also, yeah, setting myself the challenge to stick within the budget. So maybe choosing a cheaper tile or they're just going to have to bring their own TV console instead of you know, spending $4,000 on a floating TV cabinet. <laughs> well, I was just about to ask you whether there were any examples that you could remember where you had to make a choice and yeah, what you went with. Yeah, so many. Even just right down to, like, I originally had um, my heart set on the wine rack being in a um, glass cabinet. I, I, I figured 
surely it won't be that much. It'll just be like a miniature shower screen scaled down where you just open up the door and get your wine, not even temperature controlled. But And it wasn't even a full height. It was just a half height. And that itself, um, the quote was $2,500 plus GST. And so I'm like... Oh, I really had my heart set on it because it looks so good in photos. But then, am I going to spend twenty five hundred dollars on it? <laughs> um, yeah, those little little examples. Yeah, and the tiles are always a killer as well because there's always you see the tile and you go, "Oh my god, that's the tile that I want," and it's yes. always the most expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I. I'm a bit of a researcher. Um, I love to do research. I probably over-research on a lot of things. And so when I go shopping, I like to look at every single shop and know exactly what all my options are. And, um, yeah, so from from that exercise, though, I was able to, you know, what, like if that's, a, if that's you know, the tile, $300 tiles that I want, I'm going to have to find um, something that's only like $35 a square metre for, you know, the ones that you you wouldn't even realise <laughs> or notice. So, yeah, it's just about, I guess, it's a balancing act. And were you on site every day pretty much? Yeah, pretty much from from frame stage on, I think. Yeah, pretty much on site every day. I think because I was very involved with the design as well, um, there was just always something that I'd have to look at or measure up and um, try and envision in the space um, as as the as the build progressed. But also I actually, funnily enough, like I feel right at home being on a construction site. I just love it so much. <laughs> I think growing up in Hong Kong, I used to sit in my little our little apartment on the windowsill and I'd just watch all the big buildings being built level by level and I was just just always so intrigued. And so, yeah, just being on a building site just really... It's like my playground. I don't want to leave. <laughs> uh, sometimes when I walk onto site and I see some of the work the trades are doing, or it's like, oh my god, what are these <laughs> <guys> doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that there's also a benefit in like, you know, if you spot things early, you can rectify it early as well. Um, and also living so close to site. It also helps, um, yeah, drastically. Like, if if yeah, if the building, if my builder calls me at seven o'clock in the morning and say, "Can you pop down for five minutes?" I can do that, and together we just put our problem-solving hats on um, and work work together towards solution. And I'm back at home in twenty minutes, so. Yeah, that, that's been very, very helpful, being geographically close to the building site as well. Yeah. Look, 
I wish my building site was a little bit closer than where it is because for that same reason, you can just duck down there for half an yeah. hour or an hour every day, have a quick look over yeah. what's happening and then shoot back home. But anyway, that's not the way it's been. Um, how did you find being a female on-site, working with your builder and the trades? Yeah, it is interesting because... I guess you don't often walk onto a building site and always see a female running around who's not part of the building team. Like we we have a couple of female apprentice um, flippies working on our project, um, which is amazing to see um, more women in the construction industry now, but. I'm not one of them. I wasn't in the uniform. I'm not always in my work boots with my tool belt. And so it has been interesting because when some subcontractors rock up to site and and they don't realise I'm the ultimate decision maker, so there has been at times where I've asked them to change something or try to give them directions. Um, yeah, there has been pushback because they like, yeah, they would say, oh, look, I I don't know who's going to pay for it, but it's going to take this many hours of my time. And so, yeah, I've just had to learn to trust my own in- instincts back myself and also be assertive, not coming across rude at the same time, just be assertive and be firm in my requests and actually just say, oh, that's okay. Like I'm, I'm the one who's going to be paying for it. And, um, and yeah. And like in that specific instance, like straight away, he was taken back. He was like, oh, oh, do you, do you own this? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's my project. Um, (laughs) And then other instances where like, you know, my husband has been very hands-off with this whole, whole project and he has he, he came to site probably about a handful of times and as soon as he walks on site, subcontract the subbies just turn to him um, <laughs> for directions, questions, even to the point where he literally says to them with me standing in front of him, he says to him, oh, ask the boss pointing at me they still won't talk to me (laughs) they're still talking to him um yeah so it has been interesting I think at the end of the day whether whether we like it or not like consciously or subconsciously women in the construction industry we do have to work that little bit extra just to prove ourselves and time is changing which is a great thing um but I think at the end of the day it's still reality for us and a little challenge that we have to learn to overcome in our own way (laughs) that same thing happens to me on site sometimes Happens happened on my last or my current project more than once where I'll be on site and a subcontractor will be doing something and I'll go, that's not what that's not what I want. That's not the finish that I want. 
and they just look at you and go talk to the builder like the builders told me to do it this way so that's how i'm doing it <laughs> okay. yeah but yeah. i don't want that and i'm the guy who's in charge i'm paying the yeah. bills and they exactly. just go talk to the builder and they just continue doing it and then it has to get rectified later on and you know reworked yeah that's it and i think that that um i think i think that comes back to also communication um and trust my builder trusts me enough to you know let me talk to the subbies and deal with them <laughs> directly but you know i do try and um any any decisions that i make with a subcontractor i try to fill in um and update my builder um because my builder knows that i am very particular it is my design it's my baby and so every single decision needs to run be run past gen anyway so sometimes it's just more efficient um to actually just go straight to gen but i can see that you know by doing that there could there can be a lot of things like miscommunication and things getting missed so yeah just i yeah i re- i realize yeah the amount of trust that my builder has also put in me as a client to let me drive some of those conversations well, that's good. I mean, if you know what you're talking about, then why wouldn't you be able to do that? You're paying the bills yeah. after all. Yeah, but at the same time as well, I've also learned that everyone does have um, something to bring to the table. Um, I I only know so much of it, and so we we're working together as a team to achieve the same goal. Um, and that we all have each other's best interests at, at heart. So I think at the end of the day, like you, it is so important to find that team where you work well together and you understand each other's personalities. Um, and by doing so, like that mutual respect is there. You're, you're, um, yeah, just, just knowing that just because I have an idea doesn't mean that it's always right or, you know, there's always something better. Um, there's always a better solution to a problem. So let's, you know, all get together and um, listen to each other and um, come, come towards a solution together. Yeah. And how long did the build take and how did you go budget-wise? <laughs> Look, for I'm a set of duplex question. with, yeah, <laughs> For a set of duplex with that amount of detail that I threw at my builder, we, I think we, demolition was February and handover was December. So 10 month build for two complete different finishes, um, different interior designs. Um, Yeah, I'm stoked. And of course, there were always there was always going to be delay. That's to be expected. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a ten month build. But obviously, as you'd understand, um, planning took a lot took a lot as well um, before the actual build. So all up, 
um, that was a two-year project for me. And then just in terms of budget, percentage-wise, plus or minus, where'd you come in? Um, I, knowing that it's my first duplex development, um, I allowed a 15% buffer contingency in my numbers and so thankful I did because I pretty much used used all of it. (laughs) And I think, yeah, it just goes to show how important it is to have your numbers right from day one, even though, yeah, it is my first build and I, I do admit I was very emotionally attached um and also those problems that always come up you know oh that's a ten thousand dollar fix oh that's another eight thousand dollars and then oh so we we originally allowed for 40 screw piles um because my builder only just built literally two doors down um not long ago um and so we thought two doors down surely it'd be similar soil and but we ended up having to put in 70 <laughs> so straight away that was an extra forty thousand um, dollars so yeah yeah very very glad that contingency was there i was very wise to have a 15 percent contingency yeah yes yes and then um, for sure in terms of the end sales, what were you hoping? I mean, did you have a number in mind for what you were hoping to sell them for versus, I don't know, whether you've actually sold them or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um, we sold Villa A, one of them, um, and that was always the plan. That one was um, the one to be put on the market first and... So that was the north-facing one and, um, and yeah, the, the response was very positive, as I said, and, and yeah, we were, we were pretty, we were pretty, I'm pretty stoked about the sale price. Yeah. Was it uh, um, more than what you wanted around what you wanted? Like, did you get a better outcome? It was it was pretty much around what I wanted, actually. Um, I'm just stoked that someone would pay it. <laughs> and who bought it? And why why was one earmarked to be sold first than rather than the other one? Oh, just for just for our um, long term portfolio goals, I guess. Um, the plan was to sell one and then hold the other one. Um, but, you know, I never say never. <laughs> um, yeah, if there's a buyer who came along and offered the right price for the second one, yeah, like I'd be open to it. Yeah. Who, who was the purchaser? Oh, they're actually just a local family. Um, they they're looking for a sea change. They they've come from acreage, um, I think acreage living, and looking to move closer to the beach. And I think 
the 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 wife is an interior designer herself. So yeah, that's that's nice to know that um, I'm kind of handing my baby on to someone else who will actually really appreciate <laughs> the design details that I've that I put a lot of thought in. So yeah, it was really really, really good result. Kind of sounds like the ideal buyer that you would picture at the start of the project. Yeah, yeah, per- yeah, perfect buyer. But to be honest though, I wasn't quite clear on who my target market would be because the suburb is going through gentrification and Gold Coast is growing. Um, so it would used to be the 50s to 65-year-olds would be looking to downsize, looking for a duplex. And so there was a lot around you need to make the, the living space as big as you can and just have three bedrooms. Don't do four bedrooms um, to take up that floor area. Um, but I just, just something in me, I just felt like, no, it's changing, like, the Gold Coast is changing. Like I see a lot of young families coming into the suburb who, or like interstate people who are used to very small lots, um, but they still want that low maintenance um, and, yeah, that low maintenance living duplex and where they can just lock and leave and they can just go and travel as well. Um so, yeah, so with that in mind, I actually designed it so that it would suit a broader market, so that it would suit a family as well as a downsizer. And now that you've got it all wrapped up, what would you say your biggest lesson has been? My biggest lessons gosh um I think three main things first is mindset second is patience and third would be perseverance I think mindset uh being female in a male dominant industry um you just got to learn to not take things to heart and also just to re to realize that just to realize that property development is a problem solving game. Um, there were quite a few times where I almost cried on site when things weren't going my way. Um, but yeah, as soon as I shifted my mindset into thinking that this is a whole problem-solving project. Um, it became a thing where I would actually look forward to, okay, what's today's problem that we're going to solve? Like I actually um, became excited when I get a phone call <laughs> and that we had to, you know, come and come together and um, solve something. So it actually became a fun game. And, um, yeah, I was pretty proud of myself. I think I actually only cried tears twice for the whole two years, which is good, which is I very good. I think that's better than me on my latest project. 
think I cried oh. last night, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, patience is also a very big thing too. I think I've come to realise that I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> um, we've always been in a blessed position where we've worked for ourselves and so and I'm and I've always been a doer as soon as I have a vision or an idea in my head I I take that idea and I turn it into reality and so to learn that things are out of my control sometimes you know especially when waiting for counsel waiting for consultants to get back to you um that was really, really hard to grow through, I think. And um, and also, like, our software company, it was a CRM software, like a customer relation management software. So, and our business motto was always, you know, we need, we always get back to our clients, customers within 24 hours response time. And so that was just what I was used to. <laughs> And then, and then I come into this development industry and I'm like, why is everything taking so long? <laughs> um, and also knowing like an extra week, the holding cost is an extra few thousand dollars. Like there's a lot of money wasted in just waiting. Um, so yeah, learning patience. So funny. I know so many property developers who claim that they're impatient. <laughs> like, <laughs> how did you end up in the property development game? <laughs> just, the whole thing is sitting around waiting for somebody to do something or get it off somebody's desk or something to start. Yeah. It should have already started a week ago. So yeah. much is out of your control. Yes, exactly. And I'm, and I'm learning that very quickly. <laughs> uh, is that why the business name? Comma projects. <laughs> Learn learning to take a pause yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a comma. Yeah. No, I, no, that that's a good one actually. But um, no, it's not quite. Um, comma projects represents um, that it's it's not the end. Basically, like it's such. I'm so passionate about it. I love it so much that. You know, it's not a full stop. It's not the end. That there will be more projects to come, hopefully, if I if I get my numbers right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, what's next on the drawing board? Yeah. So I'm learning also, you know, perseverance. That it's, you know, if I want to keep doing this in the long run, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so. You know, I had a really, really great experience doing a duplex, um, but it's not sustainable for my for this season of life with two little kids. Being um, being a mum of two little kids, it's very demanding, and most nights I was surviving on four hour sleeps because I was up late trying to get my designs done. So. I have decided my next project's my, my next project is going to be a single high-end home. So I only have to work on one set of finishes <laughs> rather than two. Um, and also engaging 
um, an architect and going to sit back a little bit, a little bit, and let them drive the floor plan. <laughs> good luck. Good luck letting that go. Yes, actually, that's. I think that's going to be another learning curve for myself. <laughs> a bit more patience, uh, I think. I, I need to learn. But um, yeah, I just think it's not sustainable to keep to do another project the way that I did. Um, yeah, I think I need to rest and fill my own cup up first um, and try and sit back a little bit. <laughs> second row, not the back row. I'll just sit on the second row of this project. So, um, yeah. And what would you say your top tip is for people who are listening in who might want to take their developing to the next level? Oh, um, I think that's that's including myself, um, speaking to myself. I think definitely try and surround yourself. Go network, go find those people who are doing the same, something similar. Um Go find, surround yourself with someone who um, have maybe just gone before you as well, even if it's just that one step ahead of you because, you, yeah, you, you don't, they don't necessarily have to be 10 steps ahead of you because sometimes if they're just that one step ahead of you, they're more up to date um, in your space, I guess and um, have a lot more relevant information and you can actually learn off each other. Um, just, yeah, just keep learning, never stop learning. Know that every single project is going to have its own challenges and expect that. Um, and, yeah, and I can't speak more highly of the importance of networking, especially being female in this space. Um, it, can, it can be very lonely. It can feel very intimidating and um, you don't, as soon as you don't have the confidence um, as a female in this industry, you just won't, yeah, you don't tend to back yourself. Um, and obviously my husband's in a complete different industry as well. And so, you know, most often you do see couples doing it together. Um, but I I, I guess that's a luxury I didn't have um, doing this project. And so I really had to um, go and find those other women who are doing the same thing, even just have the same interest in renovating, building, just so we can, you know, have our chats and our cries. <laughs> um, and and even just sharing our challenges in doing all this in the middle of raising kids and being being mums, um, yeah, I think that's been hugely invaluable to in keeping me sane <laughs> and getting me through it. Yeah, look that that idea of loneliness or sense of loneliness at times, I think it cut. I think cuts across males and females in developing because mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. It can be a lonely game at times because you're the only yeah. one who knows everything that's going on, where yeah. all the problems are, the challenges that you're facing, the issues that you've got to resolve. 
some big yeah. questions that you need to answer or just complexity that needs to be solved and there's just no one else who understands it all because they just don't, yeah they just don't have the full picture there's just nobody yeah else. exactly and lonely feeling at times yes I completely agree and I think you know back when I was working in architecture firms um I I didn't understand that if I didn't get my plans finished today that's costing someone a heck of a lot of money you know back then I was just honing in on the designs and stuff but now that I've done I'm doing this project now I have a bigger understanding and bigger scope of things um yeah and it's a domino effect <laughs> um yeah so like you say it, it, it is it can be very lonely when um yeah not many people really understand um the scope that you're dealing with well it's great that you found or created a little network and that's something that i suggest to people who are in developing who contact me wanting to plug into a, a networking group or Mm. say well, just go out and create one just go and find one other person or two other people and just have a chat to them about what you're going through yeah yeah a lot of other people will be happy to talk as well and get something off yeah that's it that's it and yeah well while a group is great um i think at the end of the day it's just those one or two key people that you trust and um yeah you can just call up in the middle of the night and maybe not in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, anytime during the day. Yeah, it's nice to be able to share share a problem sometimes. Mm, yeah, exactly. All right, well, um, it's been great talking with you, Jen. Was there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap things up? I think for me personally anyway, the key takeaway is just to, yeah, be open to learning, be adaptable, um, surround yourself with like-minded people and, and um, yeah, just go for it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic that you've gone forward in your project and done something that you're really proud of and something that inspires you because that's something that I say to people who are students of mine or mentor, people that I help mentor or talk to, like mm -hmm. just do something that's going to inspire you because you're going to face challenges whichever way you go. So you might as well tackle yeah. something that's going to inspire you because you're going to enjoy it more and it's going to help you get over all the hurdles and bumps along the way. So yes, yes. congratulations on yeah. getting a beautiful project done and um, good luck with the next one, whatever, Thank you. whatever that one looks like. I'm sure it'll be stunning. So if people Thank are interested. You. Hopefully. Yeah, if people are interested, where can they find out more about you? Um, at the moment, the best place would just be on social media, on Instagram. I try and share a lot of the behind the scenes. Um, and, um, yeah, just to really show them how all the nitty-gritty and all the decision-making um, behind every detail, like it's not just a pretty magazine photo. Um, but behind that photo, a thousand times a million decisions have had to go into it. So, yeah, yeah, so just on Instagram. Also, <laughs> comma projects, at the handle? Comma, comma underscore projects. Very good. Yeah, well, there's some um, great photos and videos on your feed, so that's definitely a good place to go. 
Jen, yeah. it's been so awesome talking with you today. Thanks for being a guest on the Property Developer Podcast and best wishes for the upcoming projects. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. Appreciate it.